Hello and welcome to McCartney in Goal and this is the podcast that debates and dissects a great album, pop music. What happened to Disseminates? Yeah, you've lost your dissemination. Have you taken Disseminates out? Oh, come on. Are we not disseminating He's... anymore? It's, it's, that's just this week. He used to, to in his younger days, he used to disseminate all over the place. And right. now... <laughs> he feels that it's mucky, so he's going to stop. Yeah, he's cleaned his act up. Why? All right, okay. Get the double entendres in early. Yeah. We take some stories about an album that we love. We mix in some opinion. We sprinkle over a World Cup-style knockout scenario and stick it all in a blender. The results could be delectable, but we could make them inedible. I'm David nice. Hughes, yeah. and I'm joined by my fellow referees, Brett. Hello! And Steve Sumner. Hello there. We'll start with the qualifying round to whittle the album tracks down to eight quarterfinalists before we meander to the nerve-jangling semis and stumble our way to the big one. We're going to whittle, meander and stumble. What excellent verbs. Excellent Mm, verbs you're choosing this evening. Lovely verbiage. We may be uninformed. We could be biased. We will certainly be unruly. You've made some very subtle changes there. Uninformed. Usually we're ill-informed. Today we're just like a blank slate. Nothing. (laughs) I feel like a blank slate most yeah, of the time. No, that's yeah, fair, that's fair. Uh, And Paul McCartney will not be harmed during the making of this podcast. Yep. UN observers have confirmed that. <laughs> that. <laughs> what? UN observers? I'm going to cut that bit out. <laughs> you are, what was that? You're keeping that in. That's the best line. That's, that's the best, best, the best bit. That's the best bit. Uh, UN observers, unruly, <laughs> uninformed. You see, there was a payoff. He was foreshadowing it, Steve. He was, and then he there was, was the payoff. waiting for the, the, the bombshell of the UN oh. observers. So what are we doing this week? Give me a belter of an album from the end of the 1960s. A midnight <laughs> ambler of an episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> that was... I did there. Oh, I do. If you haven't heard it. us before and you hope for some informed discussion or a balanced critical review, do you know what? You can't always get yes! what you want. Oh, Back of the nets. Back smashing, of the nets. Smashing. Today, we're going to get in between the musical sheets. Very nice. Oh. In between the sheets is a lyric from. Yes, yeah, no, we we we, we understood. That's fine. That's <laughs> don't explain the jokes because it's right. it's already so funny. I, you don't need to explain. I, I, I've listened it. to it enough to, to know the references. It's all fine. The Rolling Stones' 1969 album "Let It Bleed." Nine yep. tracks on Number this nine. Yep. album, and uh, we need eight in the quarterfinals, which means we have one qualifier. Qualifying round is "Live with Me" up against "Midnight Rambler." Oh, okay. All right. Brett. Mm. Me talk. Okay, right. The thing with this album is, yeah, there are two massive songs that bookend it, aren't there? And then we've got the rest, which are kind of going to be interesting to talk about. Um, with of Me, um, it's got a great, great kind of rhythm to it, a great bass line played by Keith Richards. Mr. Keith, yes. Yes, and you can kind of hear that. It's very prominent in the mix. You can yeah. tell obviously Keith's going, oh yeah, my bass line's really good on it. Put it sure. up a bit. And you can hear it's a little bit, it's a guitarist playing the bass. It's got a, yeah, a little yeah, bit more sure. presence to it. And it, you can hear it a little bit scratchy, but the bass line itself is fantastic. Yeah. Midnight Rambler, which is, it's an interesting song because... If I'm voting for this version of Midnight Rambler, I probably will go with um, Live With Me. But Midnight Rambler has become this incredible part of their live set. And I was lucky enough to see them twice. When they played Midnight Rambler, it was superb. And I've never really liked Midnight Rambler before that. But hearing it live and how they developed it over the years, it's an absolute cracker. But to be technical, we've got to vote for the song on the album. So I'm going to go with Live With Me. Husey. Midnight Rambler, I've written down Blues Ramble. (laughs) 
that sums up what like, is wrong with is you? It, how, how long is it is it like, six and a half minutes is the longest oh. song in the album no second longest all right so midnight ambler no yeah good second use of the pun basically you're just going to keep running with this 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 <laughs> this weak pun is your is your summation of how you feel about it is it that's it um so so that's up against uh live with me yeah he starts with um i've I got nasty habits, and I would complete that sentence by like objectifying women. It's it's of the 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 lyrics. The lyrics on this are horrible, aren't they? I I, I totally disagree with that. Oh, yeah, but know. live with me is not Mick. It's not Mick Jagger's voice. It's a character he's playing. It's a character he's playing. It's, it's, it's play, a dark playing, album. I mean, it's a tongue-in-cheek song in which he's like, I you know, it's like playing a rotter, like going, yeah. I'm disgusting. Do you want to come over yeah. here, darling? No, of course I don't. There's, I don't find any sexism in that song at all because you're not supposed to like the no, the absolutely. character. You know, and it's clearly not Mick Jagger talking about himself. He's clearly in character as a total dickhead. Yeah. Um, so I, I have no issue with that. And frankly, actually, uh, Midnight Rambler is far more problematic lyrically because it's about the Boston Strangler in a lot of places. And, and yet, you know, it, 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 is that something you should be singing about? Um, so I mean, this I, album is, is dark, yeah. Dark yeah, lyrically. But no, I've got no problem with, with, with uh, Live With Me at all. Um, for, for me, the reason I would definitely vote Live With Me here, it's nice and easy, this one, actually, because the classic version of Midnight Rambler is the one on Get Your Yaya's Out, the live version, which is yeah, far, it's great. far superior it's great. to the version on this album. If if it, it I've actually I've actually got um uh, a Spotify sort of perfect version of this album that I do in which I swap out um, right the Midnight Ramble on this album for the live one and right. add Honky Tonk Women because it's from the same sessions. So oh good that that's my that's my perfect edit bleep. And anyway, that's a really strong album. Then is it if you, if you take out if you put Honky Tonk Women on this? Let's get to that later. But yeah, I mean super strong. No, I think it's a classic example of something that developed into something better on stage. But Live Live with Me also has uh, one of the few bits that has Mick Taylor on it because obviously we'll get to this being a transition album with ve- near, near to no Brian Jones and a little bit of uh mick taylor on it and this has got a little bit of mick taylor on it and i love it for that because mick taylor you know the mick taylor years uh, are my favorite stones years by a country mile so yeah for me it's definitely live with me here okay so as midnight rambler goes i have to say when i saw them play this live they have the whole breakdown section at the end and they come back in on the groove it was the tightest thing i've ever heard in my life you're just totally absorbed in that moment and you get why that band, this band has survived 50 years, over 50 years. I mean, such a kick-ass live act. 2-0, live with me. Live with me is going through, love it. Uh, it so which He doesn't which look means... happy. No, he doesn't look happy, but so did. No, I... I, I, I he doesn't give it. He doesn't give it. a coin. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love this. He's like, you know, hey, hello, welcome to McCartney and Gold. And the album when we discuss it, an album that we love, apart from the times when we discuss an album that I'm completely ambivalent about. <laughs> I couldn't give a shit. I really wish I hadn't agreed to this one. Yeah, I got. I honestly, I was so excited to talk about this album. I turn up and Dave's like practically asleep. He's so bored <laughs> by talking about it. <laughs> and, you know, it's got a couple of classics on it, and then the rest of it's filler, isn't it? Don't mind what goes through. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to the rest of this. That's <laughs> yeah. What, what's it they say about when the band does its like 
fifth album and it's like contractual obligations. Oh, what, he's what trying to wind you up. What are you talking about? This is literally the point when they... What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> They're not, not the Rolling Stones, that's me. Oh, you? Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. All right, <laughs> fine, good. All right, yeah, I completely agree. Right, moving on. <laughs> All right, so Live With Me goes through it, and it is up against Let It Bleed. Ooh, the song they oh, are so, four and five on the album funny enough oh so we're staying with live, we live with me are we this has never happened before where we discuss a song and then immediately discuss it directly afterwards God, this is welcome to the live with me podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh let okay. it bleed okay i love i love the title track i love live with me this is much harder now um i love the filth of let it bleed um there's various different interpretations of you know there's this apocryphal story they tell about Keith's fingers bleeding and him wanting to play the song anyway and that's what it's about which is clearly bollocks it's basically just a filthy filthy song about sex from start to finish you know there's there's very little to no ambiguity here the whole thing is just filth Uh, which is which is rather marvellous we're talking about Let Let It Bleed bleed. Let It Bleed the one that goes she said my breasts they will always be open yes and there will always be a space in my parking in, lot in my parking lot yeah apparently his uh, his, which is what he called Marianne Faithful's lady parts at the time <laughs> is that is that true because I I mean it was yes, very yeah. clear very clear that that was a euphemism yeah yeah that's what I thought there's yeah. some there's some very kind of unsubtle yeah. euphemisms on this album this, which is I don't think they're yeah. euphemisms they just yeah. feel, feel they're practically yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Let It Bleed continues yeah but, we all need someone we can cream on yeah get it on Ryder yeah get it brilliant. on Ryder you can cream all over me it's a lovely old hymn yeah we all need someone we can dream on They're both filth. Um, oh, which one am I going to vote for? I'm going to go live with me anyway, I think, because I love the bass The, line the rhythm on it, the bass of the rhythm, rhythm of this yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Bass I mean, line, the rhythm, the trailer, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let It Bleed, let's just say, it's the appearance here of Ian Stewart on piano, who's one of the founding members of the Stones. Sixth Stone, isn't he? Yeah, and a really interesting character, because he was part of the original band that Brian Jones set up with him. Uh, and then they just kind of thought, yeah, he doesn't really fit in, doesn't really look right. And then he just basically be, kind of became their roadie. It's really interesting for him not to just... A lot of times people would just drop off, but he obviously loved it so much that he kind yeah. of stuck around. And hired sort of piano for, yeah. for hire, you know, sort of Yeah, guy. and he, he played on this. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to go with Live With Me as well. Dave, we're just checking in with you. Just Are you still one? here, Dave? Just, Do you want to vote for anything? Um, which, which one of these sexist lyrics would I vote? Uh, no, I to, so it's 2-0 oh. Live With Me. <laughs> What? Right, no. Let's come on. Let's 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 just stop here. <laughs> you know, I I am I am as woke left wing liberal snowflakey as it's possible to get, but I am not bandying around sexism claims about these songs. Where where is the sexism in the first song in which he plays a character who clearly comes off awfully out of the song, or the second one where it's just filth? It's, where is the sexism in these songs? Just, just to add in, listener, Dave is a lawyer, so he's on his uh, home <laughs> turf here. Away, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's dangerous territory, but I want to yeah. hear it. I want to hear it. So are you saying that by playing a character, you can get out of any accusations of any ism, sexism, racism, yeah, whatever if, it be? If, if I, as long if as I... you say, oh, I'm playing a character. I wasn't racist, I was just playing a character. Is that okay? Okay, so if I make a film... 
and I put someone in that film who is racist, you are not going to come to me and say, you are a racist, Steve. You're going to say, you made a film with a racist guy in it. Now, if I make a film with a racist guy and the film is, is built around trying to make him look like a good guy or you're supposed to empathise with him or he's supposed to be the hero of the piece, that becomes more problematic. But if I make a film with a character in it who's a racist and he looks like a dick, you're not going to come to me and accuse me of being racist. So if, if you write a song, which is obviously a character it's not just going i've written a song it sounds like me but i'm just going to hold my hands up and go oh do you know what actually that was a character i mean he's the the, the, the stuff in there you know it's like mick jagger doesn't have um a wild french maid that likes crazy horses do you know what i mean it's like it's it's far too surreal to to be some sort of autobiographical mick jagger song so it's not like some sort of glib thing where he's like oh well actually do you know what it was a character all along (laughs) i'm laughing behind my hand it clearly is a totally fictional person like it would be in the film scenario and and in that situation I, i have no problem with it obviously you can't write something that could be autobiographical and just hide behind that but i don't think that's what's happening here well i did say that the which one of these sexist lyrics i'm I'm not accusing mick jagger of being sexist i don't know him he might be he might not he he might not be i I suspect he's not but i I don't know i don't know uh, because i don't know him but which one of these sexist lyrics would i not vote for yeah i i gotta agree with steve i think i think if you're playing a character and it's clearly a character and the character is not supposed to be sympathetic or the hero or you can identify that he's a character like that, then I don't think we can dismiss these songs because one of the characters in it holds yeah. odious so views ca- or expresses themselves in a way that is... Yeah, and he, they are the expressing themselves... Isn't. They are expressing... He's expressing it in a humorous way, which uh, 52 years ago... Humour is a thing which you you tread the line of the norms of your society and you get... That's why it's funny. It's always got to have some level of transgression to it most of the time for it to be funny. So this, these, I presume these two are kind of supposed to be kind of funny characters or, or whatever. I don't know. They're obviously, I mean, I don't think Jack is a particularly funny person, but um, I presume that's why he's written it in this style. They're kind of a bit silly. He uses things like, I don't know, a trifle, have my tea at three and stuff like that. He says, I'm really bad, have my tea at three. It's like, there's the joke there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was, I would just say... It might sound a bit tin-like to us now, 52 years later, but it's 52 years ago. It's a joke from 52 years ago. It's it's not going to... So yeah. I wouldn't dismiss him, those, these songs for that reason. But I would say you're saying it's a sexist lyric. I would say it's a, a lyric about a sexist. And that's a, that is yeah. an important distinction for me. But there would have been a lot more sexist attitudes in the late 60s. Yeah. Okay, so... Back, back to the competition because we could be here all night yeah. and <laughs> I can feel that dinner getting cold. Yeah. So, so Live With one. Me goes through to yep. the semi-finals. Yes. Wow. And Ba-boom. the second quarter final yep. is Gimme Shelter Boom. against Country Honk. Ooh. Oh, that's, that's a shame. Well, that's, that's a shame, isn't it, for Country Honk? Yes, it is a shame for Country Honk. The thing is, it's not bad that it's Country Honk in a way. I don't mind that because Gimme Shelter is going to kind of annihilate pretty much everything in its path it will eat up all opposition uh, well let's get country honk out of the way then i mean i really like it i love the fact that it, i think it's i think it's pronounced berlin byron berlin or byron berlin yeah the fiddle player that they stuck him in the street and actually recorded it and i think the honking is they honk for him to start they play him the track and he plays all over nice then, yeah and, I and then that. they honk and then they honk at the end for him to stop amazing hence the traffic noise
I really like it. And apparently also this was the original track and it was Mick Taylor's um, coming into the Stones that made them rework it and do what became Honky Tonk Woman, which became Oh, really? Jingle. This is the original track? This is, this is the original. This is, they, were ah. writing, they were writing it as like a Jimmy Rogers country tune, which makes sense with Honky Tonk Women. I mean, this, the lyric is so country. Um, but Mick Taylor came in and reworked it and released that as the single. I really like it, but it's not going to be Jimmy Shelf anytime soon. This is Honky Tonk Women, but this is not the version that everybody who knows the Stones' greatest hits knows. This yeah. is a different... Correct. Yeah, exactly. Version. Different so lyrics. What? Well, they, they wrote it like this. Yeah, they wrote it like this. This is the original. They got the country fiddle on it. It was supposed to be a Jimmy Rogers style country track. And then Mick, Jag- uh, Mick uh, Taylor joined the band and sort of, I guess they were jamming it or whatever. And he brought stuff to it. And they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Let's do it like that and release that as the single uh, with, with alternative lyrics. And I, I think Country Honk was still sitting around and they put that on the album. So, so the Mick Taylor version is the upbeat rock kind of yes, greatest hits exactly. live show and the lyrics were changed slightly yeah just different verses I mean, the choruses are all the same it's just it just it to me it always seems like there's about nine verses out there and you get four on one and three on the other you know there's a couple that overlap it's just one big thing i mean they're all a bit they're all just sort of silly vignette scenarios so it doesn't matter which if i ever cover it i tend to sing like two from one version and two from the other because <laughs> i just sing the ones i like it doesn't really matter she blew my nose and then she blew my mind that's amazing so, what a great line i'm assuming that's yeah. another euphemism thinly veiled thinly veiled drug reference <laughs> i would have thought yeah but no it's great but obviously i mean uh so i've waffled too long on this somebody can talk about give me shelter because there's a lot to say about Gimme Shelter. uh but we're gonna get to that later i mean give me shelter is just an unbelievable track it is just from start to finish just chills running down your neck listen to it it's an incredible tune it's one of the classic rock tunes of all time i feel like i'm going into some kind of radio one dj from the 70s it's gimme shelter yeah it's one of the classic album openers of all time so that's going through for me it's going through for you and dave it's definitely going through for you correct yeah let's get on to quarterfinal two uh, quarterfinal three is quarterfinal three. Oh. So we, thank we've God had, someone's here doing yeah. this properly. <laughs> so we've had live with me, let it bleed. Live with me went through. Give me shelter, country honk. Give me shelter went through. So the right. third quarterfinal is monkey man against. Right. You can't always get what you want. Oh no! Oh, this is getting more interesting now. Oh, I love me some monkey man. Yeah, and again, oh, so you're good. yeah because there are two massive songs on this album. We know they bookend it. Give me shelter yeah. and you can't just get what you want. Yeah, Monkey Man is great. It's got this. It's been used a lot. If you listen to TV or film over the last 20, 30 years, you'll have heard this refrain a lot of the intro. Really? Yeah, it's been oh, used. Oh, the, re- the, the intro refrain. The yes, intro, course, yeah. Goodfellas, yeah. it's used on. And then Scorsese used at first, I think, and then it's been used it's a lot. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. And I hadn't heard Monkey Man before. Th- those opening five seconds of Monkey Man are so, so acid jazz. And actually, that was that was used uh, for by the stereo MCs. Yeah, sampled by them. Yeah, yeah. That so, is Bill. I think that's Bill Wyman on that kind of cool keyboard. It's called a vibraphone, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's Bill Wyman doing that. so interesting that that might even be the most interesting five seconds of the album musically listeners he's got a wry <laughs> smile on his face he as he said that his little eye went up to steve's screen because we're doing this on zoom and he looked for steve's reaction and he just, just gave just away me. i'm not even gonna yes to he is absolutely 
so he's, baiting me because he knows how much I love his own. the bait into debate. But he I, really I, has. <laughs> but I do, I, I do really mean that. Apart from some moments on Gimme Shelter. I think yeah. some some moments. I, some moments. <laughs> well, the, it's a fair fair dues. It is. It's really beautiful, Monkey oh, yeah. Man. The intro. The intro is extraordinary. The whole tinkle of that vibraphone as it comes in. It's so exciting. The whole guitar. The guitar is amazing on it, and it's not in um, Open G guitar fans because so much of the stuff that Keith Richards writes is in this tuning called Open G where he retunes all the strings to different yeah and it just yeah exactly and then it moves all the notes around and he plays an awful lot of stuff in that which is unusual for guitarists in general but but Monkey Man's unusual for him because it's in standard tuning it's in a normal guitar tuning and it's um, well this is Keith Richards album because obviously Brian Jones is out of the picture on this album Keith plays rhythm and lead on most of it a little bit of Mick Taylor a little bit of I don't think Jones plays guitar Jones isn't on it so it is it is basically the Mick and Keith album it's and it's the transition album. It's really weird the way it's got a tiny bit of Jones on it and a tiny bit of Taylor on it. But basically yeah, it's making It's a very yeah. weird band. This album is that it's the end of the first era of the Rolling Stones and it's kind of the big hulking brute Rolling Stones mid seventies popular act they became. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's up against you can't always get what you want, which is quite an extraordinary piece of music. Yeah. Seven and a half minutes. What are the lyrics about? To me, this is just, isn't this just Jagger describing, especially in the second verse, Jabber, Jagger just describing his day in a really mundane kind of, it was busy. I had a prescription to pick up. Yeah, well, I Jimmy. I bumped into my friend Jimmy. The queue was long, and then we had to wait. And unfortunately, Jimmy was scenes. ill. I think, I think <laughs> you, you can't. I never write a song, I, have, yeah. <laughs> have you finished? Jeez. And yeah. he's like, no, I haven't finished. So we decided that we'd have... Dave, you're in a writer's shop with this album. It's beautiful, <laughs> yeah. it's poetry, it's called lyricism. It's kind of taking the mundane and making it seem uh, otherworldly yeah. or interesting. I mean, he said, he's, he's but it's not, Jimmy. It, it takes the mundane and makes it sound mundane. No, he doesn't, because like no, that doesn't. line, he doesn't. He doesn't. That line, my favourite flavour, cherry red. I've sung that a million times, I don't really care what it means. It's just a cool line and it works, it chimes at the moment. Lyrics it's only seems, have to, they seems, just have huh? to chime with the music in that exact second. It's horses for courses. If you're going for lyricism, if we're wild horses sit here and, for courses. It, wild horses for courses. If you're going to sit you're here and discuss, that yeah, I can't wouldn't want it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to discuss like lyricism, if we're going to sit and do a Joni Mitchell album, then having a sort of no. what do these lyrics mean conversation, fair enough. No, I know you don't want to do a Joni Mitchell album. It's, fine. Just, it's just an example, Brad. Don't panic. Oh, um, don't get a but, cold sweat but then. With, Jagger and Richards that you know it's it's not you know especially from the blues tradition it's that they they sort of mine all the time they're not big 
um, what do these lyrics mean? Kind of, no. it's not Roger Waters from the you know dark side of the wall or something. It's like you know, and so for me, this is just sort of five or six different scenes that that you know that it's it's paintings. You know, I don't I don't want to stand at the painting going, what does it mean? You know, yeah, because... you can't you can't judge a lyric by just reading it out loud. You have to hear the lyric delivered in the context of the music, and then if it sounds rubbish, then then it's a rubbish lyric. But if you can get away with it, I mean, there's some mad lyrics we've covered already with loads of different artists that you can get away with it oh absolutely my complaint's not that i don't know what the lyric means you know yeah. I, I like a bit of mysticism but this is no my complaint is that it, the lyric you know exactly what it means it's just off so to the dull. pharmacy <laughs> yeah. are, you, are you really yeah, there was a queue i had to join the queue i had to stand in the queue with jimmy jimmy wasn't looking very well <laughs> i decided that i'd have soda because then that would cheer jimmy up especially because he had a poorly complexion Lovely. i decided gonna... i'd have a cherry flavor no, it's where's the his favorite of... flavor though dave it's his favorite flavor <laughs> my favorite flavor cherry yeah red. it's cherry red jimmy was happy about that although he was probably annoyed because mick was standing in the queue singing so he muttered the word dead oh my god which is probably right. what i'd have muttered if if mick was standing in the queue singing and it was like oh my god it's one of these annoying people that just sings in the queue dead <laughs> <laughs> This is, this not, is this the most sustainedly miserable you've been for ages. It's unbelievable, isn't it? How he's so just, negative. This God, just ploughing through it. <laughs> What's bothering me is that the way this was built is that you were coming into it with my with my view about the Stone Roses, which is that this is uh, a good album with a couple yeah. of real, really classic <laughs> yeah. songs on it and some filler. There's been and, nothing. And yet, it's all filler now. Today. Now you're, you know, I assumed that when you said there's some classics on it yeah, and some filler that this. you're going to talk about the two bookend classics, which is Gimme Shelter and You Can't Always Get What You Want. Now you're, you're laying into Connors. <laughs> it's like you're picking one of the classics and laying into it. What, why did you even let us do this album? It's ridiculous. Uh, okay. Right. Okay. So uh, you can't always get what you want. But if you try sometime, you'll finally get what you need. That's an amazing lyric. It's amazing. Yeah. Staying through the years. Yeah, it is. It is. He's, he'll give you that. There you go. Well done, Jagger. Hey, Mick, you can rest easy. You got a decent one, finally. <laughs> well done, you. <laughs> Amazing. And and they ended up with the Bark Choir singing yes, the at London the Bark Choir, which apparently the gospel choir. Yeah, because they wanted a gospel choir and they couldn't get one. So that, so Jack Nietzsche was like, "Do you want to get the London Bark Choir?" And, and, and at that point, like, they should have been no. Let's hold out for the gospel choir. Let's rearrange the recording session for when the gospel choir can do it. It would have been a very different song if they'd managed to get a gospel choir. It does. It does. I think I'm it really so works as a bark choir. Yeah, I mean, it might be great with a gospel, but it's, it sounds great with a bark choir. It, yeah, it really does. It's got this weird kind of yeah, it's weird, kind of classical it? baroque feel to it. I mean, it's an extraordinary track. We'll get to it again because it's going through. So we're voting for... Uh, I'm voting for you, can't always get what you want. Steve? Oh, absolutely. Can't always get what you want, yeah. And Dave, can you get what you want? <laughs> that, that's a different album, I know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to vote for you can't always get what you want as well. Oh, okay, my God. So Why are you even bothering? I mean, you should have just, <laughs> just like abstained on this one or something. We don't allow abstentions. No, of no, it's not. true. It's true. Not since the last debacle. Right. Go on, Dave. The final quarterfinal. The final quarterfinal is Love in Vain up against You Got the Silver. Oh, that's interesting. Both kind of nice acoustic bass tracks. I mean, You Got the Silver is really nice. It's a Keith Richards tune, which he did play. He does play live sometimes. Yeah. And Love in Vain is great. It's a Robert Johnson song, which they covered and then added in some chords, I think, to make it more country. Countryfied it, yeah. And it's Keith Richards' first lead vocal. They've countryfied a bit, Love in Vain, instead of doing it a straight blues version, which they would have done if they did this song three or four years previously. So you can see that this that song shows their kind of development. Keith Richards did um uh, he did something on Baby's Yeah, but Banquet. he didn't. He sold the earth, but he didn't sing all of it. This is the first song where he literally 
does the, the whole vocal from start to finish. It's the only one. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, Lo- Love in Vain's really good, but I would probably vote it down for being a cover because I, I, I like the fact that that's, you know they've come so far. They're writing so many originals. I do really enjoy it. I really like You've Got the Silver. I am voting for it, but I do have an issue with some of the ending lines where it's like he's, it, some of the lyrics are so great and they fit so well and then he gets to the end of the, of the and he's just like, yeah, and that's why I feel like that. Yeah. And it's like, what? And the, 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 there's some really weak um, end lyrics to some of those verses. Really weak. Um, but that's okay because the song is still great. So I'm voting for You Got the so, so Love in Vain is a, a 1930s blues song yeah. by Robert Johnson, who didn't record that many songs, but those that he did record became so influential well, crossroads i mean yeah. you know the sort of i would say that the de- definitive uh, air guitar track of all time is crossroads by cream with clapton and that's in there that's a, a robert johnson tune when the train left the love in vain is um uh, the train left the station, had two lights, this is the last verse, uh, two lights on behind. The blue light was my baby, the red light was my mind. All my love was in vain. So he's left with the blues because he realises that she's got no interest in staying with him. All his, his love for her was in vain, which is very different to the character of the lyrics of the rest of this album. But then, but then this wasn't a Rolling Stones lyric, this was, uh, this was a Robert Johnson lyric from the 1930s. It's a lovely Jagger vocal, isn't it? I think it's one of the nicest Jagger yeah, vocals good, on yeah. the album, actually. Just to just to uh, play diplomat here. Um, so what are we voting for? So Steve, you're going for <laughs> you got the silver. I am. I'm going for love in vain. What are you going for, Husey? Uh, I'm going for you got the silver. Oh, oh nice. what? Good. You can't vote for covers, man. You can't put a classic album and then vote for covers. Why is this? So mm, 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 we got there in the end. It's the semi-finals. Just trying to inject <laughs> some life. All right, so so the first semi-final is Live With Me against Gimme Shelter. Right, well, these, these are getting to get quicker now, aren't they? I mean, what else can we say with Live With Me before it gets beaten by Gimme Shelter? Yeah. Anything else to say? <laughs> no, let's get into Gimme Shelter. It's about time. Dave, tell me what you think of Gimme Shelter because you are the most iconoclastic here. Let's Basically, let's get Dave out of the way here. <laughs> Gimme Shelter was about the apocalyptic thoughts that Keith Richards had that was experiencing because Anita Pallenberg was filming sex scenes with Mick for the film performance. Oh, God, I forgot about that it's part of the, the story. not the story I heard at all. It's Again, just kind of crazy, duplicitous, weird relationships these men had with each other and, and, their, and, and yeah. their, their, their other halves. It's all a bit weird. And I'm no Marianne Faithful who was going out of, uh, with Jagger. If you read her autobiography, she just loved Keith Richards. I think she was in love with Keith Richards and settled for Mick Jagger. And there was a whole, there's a whole kind of bitterness mm. there as well. I'm sure of that. If you read it, she thought it was a toast. And she was cool. best friends with Anita Pallenberg. Yeah, she so became it's all best friends. Weirdly insidious and incestuous and weird. 
Well, that's yeah. uh, that's now the third story I've heard because because Jagger said in later on interviews that Gimme Shelter was about the sort of the Vietnam War and, and, and that whole feeling, whereas Keith Richards has always said he was sitting uh, in an office in London looking out the window and a storm came yeah. in and he wrote it about that. Yeah, people were running away from the storm. Yeah, that's the more prosaic yeah. answer. But the, this is interesting. This is how bands layer up their legends, isn't it? Especially the Stones are really good at this, telling yeah. stories yeah. about themselves and how they layer up. Bit of bonus narrative. Yeah, even when they wrote their first song, you get the idea that, oh... Jagger and Richards were locked in a kitchen by Andrew Lou Goldham until they came out and had written a hit song. It probably really wasn't like that, but it just makes a better story and it sustains. Yeah, it does, yeah. Well, it's it's hard to think of a better opening to a rock and roll album, a uh, rock album, from than, than this. Every every single second of this track is amazing. Mary Clayton or Mary Clayton? Mary Clayton and it's Mary, Mary Clayton. Yeah. Her, she, is the but, back, she is the singer who co-sings with, with Jagger who owns on this. It. She just oh owns it. Oh, my God, like... Uh, I mean, it's an amazing song. It's incredible. And the best moment on it is when she is singing and just blowing everyone away. Apparently, she was... Was she pregnant when she she recorded this? Um, mm. So she was... That night, she was about to go to bed. Uh, she was heavily pregnant at the time. She got a phone call asking her, oh, wow. asking her to come straight to the studio to record backing vocals. It's unbelievable. For, for a bunch uh, of stoned English... Yeah, for the Rolling Stones. Uh, she says, idiot. in her own words, she says, it was almost midnight, I was pregnant, and I thought there's no way in the world I'm getting out of bed to go down to some studio in the middle of the night. Uh, and she says, I was wearing these beautiful pink pyjamas, my hair was up in rollers, so I took a Chanel scarf, wrapped it around the rollers, so I looked really cute. Uh, Went to the bathroom, put on a little lipstick, and she said, because there's no way I was going down to a studio looking anything other than beautiful. <laughs> So she put nice. a, she put a fur coat over the pajamas and turned up oh, in the studio. Class, class, and just blew them away. And she was only twenty. It's it's one of the finest bits of musicianship on a Rolling Stones album. It's just incredible. And then apparently did the did the um, singing along with him bits. And then they were like, "Do you want to do you want to do anything more?" And she was like, "Oh, okay. I thought I was just singing with you. Okay, I'll do the rape murder bit on my own then." And she did that, and that's when her voice breaks. And 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 if you hear it, if you listen to it isolated, you can hear Jagger whooping in the background when her voice breaks. He's like, "Wow, it's amazing!" Oh, beautiful. Okay, and what was it up against? <laughs> <laughs> Live with me. Well, you lived with us for a while, but not any longer. We yeah. we cannot right. give you any more shelter. You're out. Right. What's the other semi final? And the other semi final is you can't always get what you want against you got the silver. Okay, that's easy. I'll be. You can't always get what you want, then. Good. Yeah, you can't always get what you want, Dave. You happy about that? No, I would get. You got the silver, but <laughs> I can't always get what I want. So uh, the final. This is a surprise for a final. Who'd have funk it? Give me shelter versus you can't always get what you want. Unbelievable. Oh. Is, that, is that what's happened? Is that what's happened? It's just only gone and bloody happened. What a surprise. Well, uh, the the thing is, you see, I mean, it seems it seems like an inevitability, and it probably was. But I, I I just think that so much of this album is is so strong that it's it's a lovely ride to go on to get there. But I do think yeah, they are uh, worthy adversaries. Whatever, no, whatever yeah, Dave no, says, I, I can't always get what you want. No, you can't really go. It's amazing. There's so many layers in that song. It just comes in and out and falls and drops and then picks up. I mean, basically, it starts off like a really almost baroque choral piece, and then by the end, it's this really funky, groovy number. It goes through being a ballad to being a rocker. And they, the producer this album is Jimmy Miller, who does an amazing job producing this album. He also produced Beggar's Banquet. And I think um, the next two, actually. I think, I yeah, think he actually produces that whole run of four albums. And you can feel he's really famous for really loving percussion and rhythm. And everything is, like someone said, all his all the tracks on his albums are rhythm instruments. And he 
not Charlie Watts plays the drums on this track. Because he was trying oh. to explain, yeah, he's trying to explain it to Charlie Watts, and Charlie Watts is lovely, kind of chilled out dude. He was like, you know what, Jimmy, you play it. Yeah. I love it right at the end when the choir grows and it's getting really more and more intense. You're thinking, how much higher can they go? Yeah, that's my and favorite. Go, bit and they go, well. and they go, and they go higher, and then you go, they can't go any higher. This is like my ears are going to explode. And then they go higher, and they can't go any higher. This. And they hit another note beyond that, and then the drums just go boom, they just explode. Yeah. It's awesome. What a way to end it an is album. Awesome. It is awesome. It's, it's a cracker. Jimmy wasn't feeling too well, so they decided to have a soda. <laughs> so interestingly, listeners, during this podcast, Dave has kind of, from the start, he looked a bit mis- miserable because he was to Let It Bleed, and he's cheered up a bit now, and Steve's just got more and more crestfallen as it's Deflated gone Deflated as we've gone along. <laughs> punctured. He's been punctured by Dave's constant miserableism. I was really looking forward you to like loving a it, massively you, mate? upbeat, I know. upbeat I know. Rolling Stones oh. chat, and I did, little oh. did I know that Dave was just like, he, let it bleed. Yeah. It's just like you know, a couple of good songs and filler. Yeah, oh, wonderful. That was not, not the debate I was hoping for. <laughs> end, I'll, I'll end on a positive note. Oh, please if do. I can. Okay, go on, you right, rare so, sunshine. So, <laughs> so give me shelter. Um, yeah. I love because it it is linked to two independent women who were around the Rolling Stones, and um, one 20 years old to sing the back backing vocals, which became co lead vocals. Uh, in her rollers, and the other Anita Pallenberg, who allegedly it was a, it was about, and Keith Richards' bodyguard described Anita as being like a life force, a woman so powerful, so full of strength, that the men in the Rolling Stones, or two of them particularly, came to lean on her. I believe it was Anita Pallenberg who who came up with the woo woo on um, Sympathy for the Devil. I think it was her. She wow. was she was in the control room with some other friends, and they just started doing it as they were jamming it out. Mm. She's mm. she's such an interesting and central figure. That I, I don't think that Jagger was a sexist to surround mm. himself with women like that and Marion no, Faithful. And Marion Faithful as well, extraordinary woman, yeah. Um, so, so her and Mary Clayton, give me shelter. Um, That's your vote. I'm going to vote for that. Okay, Steve, God. over to you. Oh Lord, no, go, no, you go first. I've got to work it out. No, come on, work it out. This is what the whole point of this is. Come on, give us your inner monologue. It would always, always have been, can't always get what you want from me. I've never even liked Gimme Shelter that much. And it, this is, in returning to listening to this yeah. album, it, it hit me how incredible it is. Yeah. And I actually had that hair stand up on my wow. arms thing, you know, that, that happens so rarely when you're 44 years old or whatever I am now. You yeah. know, it's like, I mean, how often does that happen? And, 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 and I think even though Can't Always Get What You Want has always been one of my absolute Stones faves and yeah. Gimme Shelter wasn't, it's such a revelation to me. Mm. I think it's one of the strongest things, if not the strongest thing the Stones ever put out yeah. and one of the best album albums of all time. I'm going to have to go Gimme Shelter. Yeah, and I will third that. It's incredible. It is just an extraordinary song. And, and you Can't Always Get What You Want is, is wonderful in so many ways, but Gimme Shelter is something just truly special. And 
when Mary Clayton's notes just bend and cracks, it's just oh, when her voice goes, it's you just can't, insane. you can't not like that. You can't. It's impossible. It's an amazing moment. One of the tiny, tiny reasons that I would go for Give Me Shelter is the, uh, you know, that music scraper thing that you have to do in music class at school. Oh, he does it at the beginning. Yes. Oh, it's never sounded so good. Yeah. yeah. That's, 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 that's Jimmy Miller. That's rhythm all over the place. He loves it. Just yeah. made it in layers and layers of rhythm. There's a lot of layers yeah. on this album. Um, he just adds in. It's, it's I wonder if he's responsible for the the prominent cowbell in in the honky tonk women uh, single yeah, as well. Then, because I mean, that, you know that that sort of really yeah, stands out. On yeah, that yeah, absolutely. So, Dave, what has won? Wrap it up for us. So, give me shelter has won three 0 against. Oh. You can't always get what you want. That was characteristic. Yeah. You really summed up your love for this album with that enthusiastic outro. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a, a very interesting album. Um, I, I think there's some really interesting bits on it. There's certainly some really interesting stories around it. So I think it's a oh great good story. Album it's, to it's, do. It's, it's the I think this is a bit of triumph. <laughs> 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 yes, it's been an absolute triumph, David. Well done. Uh, there we go. We'll end it there. <laughs>